everyone, this is Carly. Jade and I have been recording in our new studios, ramping up some really great guests, but we came across some technical difficulties with some of the connections, specifically on this episode with the Bennetts. Major bummer, but we didn't want to put any of the interviews on the cutting room floor, so we hope you can bear with us while we work through it and still enjoy this interview, which is so good. Again, thank you guys so much for your support. We love you. This is Jade. This is Carly. And this is... Mommies tell all. Hey, Carly. Hey, Jade. I miss you here. So Carly and I are recording in studios separately this time around, and it makes me so sad. But we still like are looking at each other. I can see your face, your your beautiful beaming smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel very beautiful today, but that's okay. I, I have hey, makeup on. You I, you look at yourself in our Zoom right now, and you tell yourself, "I'm beautiful." I am beautiful. That's right. Okay, I like it. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us this podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's show because later on, we are going to have Michael and Pele Bennett. They have a new podcast out called Mouthpiece on Lemonada Media. They are activists, philanthropists, and they're a loving husband-wife duo that are a blended football family raising three daughters. And they have a, they have a lot of great... I feel like they're very vulnerable, they're very honest, and they have a lot of great stuff to say. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm so excited to talk to them. But I'm also so wondering about how Brooks is doing. I know you shared on Instagram recently that he had a lip tie removal. Yeah, he had his lip tie and his tongue tie done. And I know that I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before on the podcast where our pediatrician advised against it. And so... um, I just was really, really conflicted about doing it because she was saying, don't do it. It's a trend. And then I was hearing all these other things from other parents about how it like changed their babies. Well, for one, they're nursing. Um, but for all these other things that can happen because of a tongue tie, like speech, it can affect your speech. Mm. They can become mouth breathers because they hold their tongue in a certain way that they're mouth is open when they're breathing, which they can have adenoid and tonsil problems because of it, because all those germs breathing through your mouth aren't being filtered. And so it's going straight back into your throat. And then all these other things are just really crazy. And so I've been really having a lot of anxiety about it. I took him to the dentist who did it. She did it with a CO2 laser and it just felt like really right. I went and got a consultation, called her back a couple days later and decided to just do it. And he's six months, um, which is a little bit older than normal. So mostly the time it gets done, they're younger. They're like eight weeks, 10 weeks, you know, that kind of age because it can affect their latch. Oh, yeah. Um, which is why I think he was having weight gain problems. Uh, oh, yeah, of, that makes sense. Because of his tongue tie. And I'm so glad that we did it. I just feel it's changed so much in him already, and it's only been a week. I can see, like, tongue movement that he never had before. And wow. so I just feel that it was absolutely the right decision for our family for me to finally just go with my gut and do it. And I was really emotional about it because I had a hard time because I just— didn't listen to my own intuition and I kind of was feeling uh, regretful about that because I had I just listened to myself I think I would have known that would have been the right thing in the first place but it's healing great Um, we had a follow-up appointment it takes eight weeks to fully heal and then he's gonna have to have some occupational therapy for feeding and the dentist also suggested craniosacral therapy have you heard of that no it's like um, certain chiropractors I think even massage therapists can get certified in it and it's moving the like muscles and the bone plates and the skull 
Whoa. And like a certain manipulation, almost chiro- like chiropractic care. And supposedly it helps tremendously with the healing and the progression after a tongue tie revision. Wow. But yeah, he got both the tongue tie. He had a posterior tongue tie and he had a lip tie revised. Interesting. So he's, he's doing good. He was such a champ. He was such a champ. So he is breastfeeding still or he's not breastfeeding anymore? I... So I officially actually just weaned him because we were doing night feedings. Like I was still feeding him before bed in the middle of the night and then in, in the morning and then doing formula during mm-hmm. the day. Um, but Tanner and I went on a trip together and I just felt like it was probably time to wean. Um, How are you feeling so about that? It was really, I had actually, I, I didn't really want to, like, I really like miss it. Like I really just want to like feed him and comfort him. It's like a, such a special bond that I have with him about it, but it did feel right, mostly personally for like my personal self, um, hormonally, just to have balance back in my life with that. Um, but he's doing great. He doesn't really know the difference. He's still such a sweetie when I bottle feed him too. So he's so cute. He's getting so big. You told me you you used cabbage leaves when you dried up your milk, and I just let them. I don't know what I did to myself, but I don't just like. I don't know. I was in so much pain. I just let them die on their own. I just let the milk dry up on itself by itself. And it was horrible. Oh, God. It was so hard. I mean, the cabbage leaves, like, I changed. They rocked my world. I also ended up, it's kind of like at the end, taking, like, Sudafed to help dry them up. Is that true? Yeah. Is that real? Yes. That's what um, Elizabeth, who is my sister-in-law, who's a PA, said. Take Zyrtec or Claritin or Sudafed. Anything like that can help dry it dry up the milk stuff. Hmm. I, I've heard of it, but I didn't know if that was actually, it really did do that. I don't know. That's what she said. So I did it. But the cabbage leaves gave me so much, like I would put them on and they're like so cold when they go on. But then like a couple minutes in, you're like, God, this feels so good. And then when you take them off, there's like water in, like you can see like droplets of water. It moves the milk out of your breast? It doesn't move the milk out, but it takes like the swelling and water out I think like the water weight you know how you get like engorged are you sure it's not just condensation from the cabbage leaves it's not (laughs) it's not because it's like uh you know when people before they have competitions fitness competitions they like shrink wrap their midsection and they sweat it out yeah that's like what it's doing it's helping you like your sweat glands or something release like they don't you don't feel as like swollen interesting I just what helped me the most was just getting in a hot shower, letting it run for a while. And I just wouldn't do that. Expressing, self-expressing. Gosh, I don't know. I have, my boobs are all messed up, but those cabbage leaves like felt good. I mean, I can notice even when I took them off in like three minutes, I could notice that I was uncomfortable again. Yeah. That's what's going on with us. I Yeah, things are good. I, like I said, Brooks was a champ. He did so well. He hates the exercises that you have to do. You have to stretch their mouth. Wait, what does that even mean? You have to rub over the wound to make sure it doesn't grow back together because oh. the mouth is one of the like fastest healing parts of your body. Yeah. And so you have to make sure that it will reattach. And so you have oh. to interfere and kind of agitate the wound. But um, he's he he's just such a champ. Well, I'm glad he's doing good. I'm glad you did that. I love a mom's like listen to their gut. And then afterwards, they're like, I'm so glad I listened to my gut. You know? Yeah, I think I would have regretted it long term because 
I think he probably would have had to have other things, either dental work due to it or speech therapy and stuff like that. So I feel like I did the best thing for him, even though it was very, it was a very conflicting decision. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It's a surgery. I mean, is it considered a surgery? I guess. It's considered a surgery. Yeah. Oh, did Um, you have to give him any pain relief or anything? Did you have like Tylenol or something? They gave him like a topical anesthetic, I guess, something that numbs the area. And that lasted for probably four or five hours. And then, yeah, it's just baby Tylenol to help keep on top of the pain. But he he did pretty good. Well, I'm glad. I'm so glad he's doing good. And I'm glad that. I'm glad that you made that decision because I know it was hard and, and it's just going to benefit him in life. If you're thinking about it, reach out to Jade and she can give you more information. <laughs> I mean, definitely, I would say if you have a baby who you think has a lip tie or a tongue tie and it's interfering with nursing and latching and weight gain, um, there are other things that it can affect in the future. I would definitely, if your pediatrician doesn't catch it and you think it's there or they advise against it, I would just get second, third opinions and go like you said just go with your gut on what you think you need to do I also know people who didn't um revise their children's lip and tongue ties and their children are just fine so it was just ultimately what I felt was right anyways should we transition into our lovely guests yes let's get Michael and Paley on and talk to them about life all right let's um take a quick second to get a word in from our sponsors and then we'll get them right in Carly, is your house cluttered like mine? Because I feel like my yes. whole house is just full of kids stuff. I am the most cluttered. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it's just stuff that other people would actually really love. Even that Bella has grown out of, that's still just there, you know? Yeah. And I can probably say that everyone who's listening, your house is probably like ours. If you have children and also clothes and shoes that you don't wear, taking up valuable closet space, old phones hiding in a drawer, toys and games that kids aren't interested in anymore. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That's where Mercari app comes in. It is the easiest, most simple app to use. You just take a few pictures of your own things and you just put in a description and boom, your item is listed. And once it's sold, Mercari emails you a shipping label and you just stick it on and you send it off. No meetups, no hassles. And you're making money off the stuff that was really just sitting out waiting for somebody else to enjoy. I love that they send you shipping labels because honestly, I feel like I would never go through with any kind of thing like this with a selling app if they didn't do something like that. That's just like first class service. You get the label, you smack it on there, you send it out and you get the money right in your pocket. Oh, yeah. And I think as moms, like we don't have time to run around and do all these. Like we don't have time to do all this ship and label business. We just have time to slap it on and stick (laughs) it in the mail and we're ready to go. Also, the app has over 500,000 reviews on the app store with an average of 4.8 star rating. So you guys, give it a try. You can sell everything from fashion to electronics, toys, sporting goods, and you make a few extra dollars and you'll clear up valuable space in your home. Yeah. So what are you waiting for? I know you've got stuff you don't use. Sell it, ship it, and get paid with Macari. You can find Macari on the app stores or on Macari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Macari, the selling app. 
Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you guys on. Thank you. We're excited also. Jay and I were just listening to your first episode of Mouthpiece, y'all's podcast. I was astounded because you guys have been together since y'all were like high school sweethearts. Yes. Some, yes. What is the secret? (laughs) We've been married for a few years and we're like, what? (laughs) What is the secret to longevity in a relationship? I think patience is. <laughs> You're going to say sex. No, sex, oh, sex yeah. is. T- a lot of sex. I mean, yes. No, no, patience. I think because I think people. Patience is important. I think there's a lot of times in relationships where people are just impatient. They're impatient for the person to meet them at the spot that they are, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically, whatever. They just are so impatient. I think patience is important in, within a relationship because there's times where things seem to be going rough. and But if you're patient, things, the, eventually the, the ship is going, the water's going to get clear and the water's going to be safe to go swimming in. But as soon as the waters get rough and you, you get impatient and you dive mm-hmm. in the water, your ass is going to drown. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So just wait, just wait the storm out sometime. I just think we need to be patient with, with, within relationships. No, I will agree. And I think that is where you're tested also is through your patience. But I will say patience is very difficult. It is <laughs> I can't lie. It's not like something easy. I think it's something that like even me as a person, I'm still working on in general with my husband, with my kids, um, is having that patience. But I agree. Also, sex. You're right. <laughs> we don't have sex is, that now, sex is definitely something that people need to have more of. People lacking. Uh, it's like they need to just. And you sometimes know. you have to be patient with that as well. <laughs> That's also such a hard thing, though. Have you guys always been the same in how much sex you both need? Is it always been at the same level? or Because I no. feel like my husband always wants it, and I don't want it as much. Like, how do you meet each other in the right place? No, you're right. I feel like that usually, usually is the woman's. But, I, yeah, you, there's a lot of women that are the opposite side. I think you, more, Michael, definitely more than me. Can I get a, a yes or no? Yeah. I don't know what you want. I'm not in your mind. I see you still doing the act, so I don't know if you really. Oh. <laughs> so I, know, I can't really tell if that's what you really wanted or not. That you were acting like you wanted it. I think I'm also. Joking. I'm joking. That sound that sounded bad, but I do think men probably do want sex more than women. I don't know. I feel like that is probably true. But I think also just communicating that because I know women that are on the opposite side. So I think like, how do you communicate that you even want to have sex? Because sometimes one person wants and the other person's like, I'm going to roll over and go to sleep. But I also feel like I've, I've, people say that women are, get when they get older, like 40 years old, like like their sexual drive goes up. That's right. Men, the men's go down. Yeah. 40, which is kind of weird. 40 is a sexual prime for women. So I'm not there yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll just wait and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I just, I feel like sometimes it's, y'all must just have to bite the bullet or rip off the bandaid and be like, okay, I'm doing it today. I don't feel like doing it, but I'll do it. Because then when you're in the middle of it, it's fun. Yeah, that, but that also can like feel like you're just doing it for a service. Yeah, that's true. Like you're just doing it like, oh, okay, I will. Right. There's like a fine line of being true to yourself, you yeah. know, and your boundaries of your body. If you're not feeling that, like Carly and I, we have new, like we have newborns. I have a six month old son. Like, congratulations. Thank you. And it's just like, I don't really feel like doing it all the time mm-hmm. right now. I'm in that stage of life where my baby needs me all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's hard sometimes. And like you were saying, like that's when the patience comes in. Like as a couple, tiring. you have to... But you, then women can't get mad if a man says that they don't want to have sex and then it's like, well, he's not attracted to me anymore. Yeah. Then it's like, you oh, can't yeah, have it both ways. Yeah. You can't be like... If, he's start, if he starts to, be, to not, if he's not touching you enough, he's not being emotionally there, then all of a sudden you like, he doesn't love me anymore. He's like, well, six months ago I was trying to do that and you told me not to do that. But that's so where I feel like the physical part I has to go there. further. It's more of a <laughs> mental, spiritual connection you have with your partner. And after, after having a baby, that should still continue. So 
So when a woman is going through X, Y, and Z of her own body, then physically, spiritually, mentally, she's dealing with, you know, taking care of another human being. I think your partner needs to respect that space. And if they don't want to have sex, then you need to be patient in that aspect and give them some time because there's so much more. And they cannot be upset, mad. They really have to be really, you know, their patience will be tested. But you have to respect that. Yeah, some yeah. guys, they don't wait the six weeks. They're like, that six weeks, that's too long. <laughs> it's so funny yeah, how this- everyone knows that number, too. Like, every man is so excited <laughs> and every woman is so terrified. <laughs> but it's also, too, it's like, it's like, and then the guys be like, Six weeks and they're like, oh, she got pregnant again. That just they just said, don't have a baby, don't have sex. And they do tell you that. And then they end up being pregnant. We're like, oh, we have another. I was like, they told you not to do that. How old are your daughters? So the oldest is 13, nine, and then a six-year-old. Oh my gosh, so cute. Yeah, they're kind of spread out and they're all daddy's girls. So, you know, I got to teach Michael a lot of stuff about the women. So in case they need to turn to him. I was just talking to my husband about this the other day. So he has three older boys and then we have a two-year-old and then we have a three-month-old son. And he's already done the sex talk with the older boys. So I'm like, who's going to give the sex talk to the girls? Who's going to give the sex talk to y'all's girls? <laughs> Michael's is no sex talk. It's just don't do it. <laughs> I'm, my sex talk is, Abstinence. look, you're going to get gonorrhea. I'm going to show you all the stuff that you can get. Gonorrhea, <laughs> hepatitis. Scare this right here from is it. syphilis. This right, some of this stuff you get... <laughs> so I'm going to show them all that stuff. That's okay, good. But seriously. That, that's just scaring them. That's it is a, scary. If they see the clap or they see that. Why that, are you clapping? I'm really, Stop doing that. Y'all can see my hands. I just clap. You know? But if, they, if you can show them all those diseases, I think your kids would be scared of doing No, no, no. Okay. So I don't want to put fear into sex. Because we grew, I grew up where like you don't really talk about sex, but you are mm-hmm. talking. You do talk about like physical, but not sex. And I feel like. It's such taboo, especially for females, to think of having sex. You'll get pregnant, you know, and then obviously you'll get, you know, disease or something like that. But I want to teach my girls like a healthy side of sex. You know, that it's okay to have thoughts, to have, you know, kind of curiosity. And I want that to be a safe space for them to also communicate with me. You know, like, no, I don't want to know everything they want to do. But I also want them to understand like what that feels like, what... I don't know, like, what the expectation looks like, not what they hear or see, because it can really be misconstrued. Yeah, I think it's good to have that, like, open communication with your kids about that stuff anyways, because you would rather them talk to you about it than them going behind your back and doing all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I, I grew up in a really Christian home, and that's how I was taught, to feel, like, shamed Mm -hmm. or ashamed of, like, my sexual part of myself. Mm -hmm. And so I hid all that from my family instead of having that open communication. So you want to tell you, hey, mom, I just, I was just riding this. That was the flight. What you going to, I feel like, (laughs) like, mom, I I mean, I just feel like it's kind of like, I don't really want to have that communication with my, like, I want to have enough communications where it's like, where they feel like they could come to you and maybe something went wrong or they maybe need a question. But I don't want to hear about, like, actual action well yes we don't need yeah 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 we don't need those details (laughs) (laughs) scene by scene yeah yeah Yeah, but you also like i grew up catholic and shame is associated with sex so i mean it took me getting to i mean i had sex with a lot of people don't get me wrong well not a lot (laughs) like it took me getting to my husband and having sex with him to not feel shame behind it because i was just told it was bad all the time so, yeah, that's, like, one thing. You want your kids to have safe sex physically and, like, emotionally almost. Mm-hmm. But it is mm-hmm. such a hard thing because they're, you know, they're your little girls, and it's a very scary thing to think about. But also, too, I think it has to be the same talk with boys. I do think there's a, a, a gender thing when it comes to sex. Like, 
if like we were saying like if uh, we were talking about if a, if a young boy have sex, it's like oh, oh my god, you look at you, you screwing, you doing all this stuff. But if a young girl has sex early, it's taboo. So I feel like it definitely needs to be that the same conversation that we having with young girls about having sex too early is the same conversation that we need to have with young boys because. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to respect women, be able to have conversations about their own bodies and be able to do it. Because a lot of people don't even know their bottom of their own their own strotum is. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they are, Yeah. Like, do you like, know yours? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> no, I got to be honest. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that it's important that we have an equal conversation about mm-hmm. the same thing. Because my wife was saying something last night and she was saying that men say to other men or people with daughters, you need a shotgun. And her perspective of what she was saying, I was like, oh, that I was saying, I'll go to speak for myself. I was saying that I hate that, you know, when when men say that, like, oh, you, we have three girls. So we have this conversation all the time. Many people tell us like, oh, you have three girls. Oh, you better get that shotgun. You better lock, you know, lock them up, all these different things. And I don't know. I hate when I hear that because I'm, how I look at it is it's not so much to, why do I have to protect my daughters in that way? You know, and it's a male speaking to a male. So for me, I'm seeing that that's a problem right there. You know, and so how do we go to the boys, you know, to young men and educate them on how they perceive sex, what that looks like. And we were talking about it like, you know, where do young men, you know, view sex? It's yeah, it's like that boys will be boys. So you better protect your daughters. Yeah. Yeah, And then they view sex from, you know, movies, say it's porn. Porn. And it's not in a passionate, you know, way. It's like rough, hard, you know, just like all these different things of conversations. It's like, what does sex look like? What, not what should it be, but what does it look like? And really making them think outside of the box. Cause I don't want to, I mean, you have to, I have to protect my daughters all the time, but why? Yeah. But that's how I think it's important that the conversation that we have with girls should be the same conversation that we have boys, because it's important that boys understand their role in that. Like, so that's why the education piece is education is, is important. That's why I said like, we should, if a young boy has sex early, we should be questioning why is he having it. A father shouldn't be like, "Boy, did you did you go all the way in, son? Did did she do this?" It should be like, "Son, why are you doing that? You're not ready for that type of responsibility." So I think it just needs to be important that we have those conversations with both sides. Yeah, I agree. So I want to jump into your guys' podcast. You guys have a podcast called Mouthpiece. Do you guys talk about this sort of thing on there as well, like mm-hmm. sex and just raising daughters? And mm-hmm. um, just what else do you guys talk about? I know you guys are really big activists and philanthropists. Just curious. I think we talk a lot. We talk a lot about culture. We talk mm-hmm. a lot because I think it's important that as two individuals that we are very raw and vulnerable where people can understand that we have flaws, but also understand that we're not scared to have voice because I feel like there's a lot of people who fear voice like they fear voice because voice is so important because when you have a voice it radiates is it's it can be heard anywhere you when you when, even when you're not here anymore your voice still carries on there's a lot of musicians who are dead and gone but when their music comes on you hear their voice so I feel like it's important that we use our voice to have great conversations but also build people up and also share stories on our platform and that's what it was about, you know, and social. I, and I think like it's because of your work, you know, it's really male dominated on the conversation and even on the people in the room. And so I think like I really want to use that part of myself, you know, being a woman and all the roles and different titles, you know, that like I play in our relationship in society and really give, you know, more encouragement and, you know, just inspire other women to like, yes, you can say things. We can talk about sex. We can talk about I can talk about my husband and we're still going to go home and say I love you you know like it's okay to be open like that as a woman you know and I feel like there is so many taboos 
on those different issues. And I just want to be like, yes, we relate to it. We might not be as vocal, but it's okay to be vocal. I'm like, speak up, say it. And I also want that to reflect on my daughters because I have three girls that will be women, you know, soon, sooner than I know. And I want them to build that courage and just know who they are and their identity and not be afraid to not show themselves. And also, too, it's important that as a husband, you are able to build up your wife and build up the platform and also give her her own voice and show that she is has a her own voice, but also she's a strong person. And I think there's not enough men who want to be on shows with women or share their same platform or share their same story or be next to them. They expect them to be behind. But on this show, we both have we right next to each other. I'm, I'm kind of behind him because he's a lot taller and walks faster. Yeah, I'm a lot faster. taller than her. <laughs> so that's by default. I just get behind him. <laughs> but thank you. Yes, I agree with you. Y'all have a certain celebrity about you and, you know, using your voice this way. Do you ever find it hard? You guys are, I mean, you're a man, you're a woman, but you also just have two totally different opinions about things. Do you ever find that you feel like you have to say something a certain way because society says that you do? Oh, like censoring yourself? Yeah, like in this social media age. Now, that's where the vulnerability comes in to be, when I say fear of voice, that means when you have the, when you break past that barrier of the fear of your voice, you not, then you, you break past the barrier of being fearful of other people's opinions about your voice. So for us, I think that's important that we don't feel that we should be censored. We should feel like we should be as open and honest and as candid as possible because this is our true self. I mean, we just want to be able to continuously have that platform. I think that's what builds a fan base. I think there's a lot of people who have that fear and they, that's why they want to be superheroes. That's why they want to be athletes. That's why they want to be actors because those actors, they can live vicariously through. And why not a better couple than who's married that you can live vicariously through and have a voice? We talk about mom shaming a lot on this podcast because, you know, we'll say certain things and we get backlash or we do certain things to our children and people come at us. Do you guys get anything like that? And if so, how do you deal with it? Man, I think that's like a never-ending story because I feel like so many people, once you say you're a mom, then it cuts you off from everything. You know, you can't go out at night. You can't yeah. drink. You can't. Oh. Do you have sex? You know, like people say, do you have sex? You have so many kids. You know, you can't dress a certain way. And I don't know. I feel like that um, stigma of like a mom is so dated and it makes it like the word frumpy. I always like use the word frumpy as a mom term. But I'm like, but no, like I think it, it needs to change. And it needs to people need to know that like women can. That's what's so like special and powerful that they can create these lives and that already should be highlighted as a superhero. So why can she not have a baby and do all these other things? And I think like us supporting women, but then men supporting that idea also and not shaming that, you know, you can't do that. There's no limitations on you. Like you can keep going. You can do whatever the hell you want to do and be proud of it and really show that. And I think if more people support each other in that way, then we can highlight that. Man, f*** the haters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, Kanye say, but you know what? Yes. But women shame women too, though. I'm not only saying one hundred percent. No, but she, like she's talking about we... opinions. She's talking about opinions. I feel like there's. She said no, no. But, but, yeah, yeah. but I, I think I had mentioned male. But I also want to say, yeah, women don't. Also. We don't want to make it like male or terrible. But at the same time, <laughs> you just got to really opinions are so. I feel like there's not a lot of people. The internet creates a, a atmosphere in this world where it's full of negativity. So I feel like. 
if you're not a part, if you don't want negativity in your life, then you shouldn't put yourself in the in the mindset of reading those messages because as much as because when you go out there and as much as the likes and comments make you feel good, then you have to be ready to be subjected to the negativity of that. But if you're doing it for pure validation of just you having a voice, I think it makes it a lot easier not to care about the opinions. That's very true. I never thought of it that way. Yes. I'm gonna ask you if your girls were on social media. Hell, Hell no, no. They be, but I told my daughter. My daughter wants to be on Instagram, and I told her the other day, I was like, I'm not ready for you to be on Instagram yeah. because I want you to have your own free voice and your own free way of doing things. And I feel that if you go on Instagram, you're going to be, you're going to shape, you're going to start to shape yourself from what you, you see start being in a negative way, and, and you're getting influenced. And now you're going to be, oh, dad, I'm not doing this enough. I don't look like this enough. And I don't want that because I see a lot of young girls or young people who are already like, trying to mimic what they see so they can be accepted, socially accepted. But I feel like you shouldn't try to be socially accepted until you get older. Like right now, like you can't really, you haven't built yourself up to what you exactly, what you want to be because you haven't experienced nothing. And I don't want her trying to experience through other people to make her points. Exactly. I want them to know what they like, you know, to know what colors they like, to know what food they like, to know what they really want to wear, you know, before they touch into that. But the oldest one, she does like to do TikTok. TikTok is long. <laughs> everywhere for kids right now. I know that you guys homeschool and I just, I think about that sometimes. I wonder, the world's a little scary for me and I'm like, for my daughter, I have a two and a half year old daughter too and she's a, she could start preschool soon but I've always loved the idea of unschooling or homeschooling. What made you guys decide to do that for your children? So yeah, they just started this last year. So um, I think even though it's second semester, we're still learning as we go. So it's been a good experience. But um, I would say like the number one thing, honestly, is the first is having them home like literally just the fact that they're home i think for me um just feeling that protectiveness of when they're not in my you know grasp where i can't touch yeah. them see them don't know what they're doing knowing that they're in the next room and that they're safe and that they're with me i think that like mother bear you know bubble starts to you know grow but um i love having them home i love being with them but then also creating how we want their um curriculum to look like you know so they have like their core curriculum that is just needed but then it's like, okay, how do we also want to help shape them? You know, not push it on them, but just kind of like give them stuff that they wouldn't learn in school. And so I think creating the curriculum and adding those little touches and then also of like our own cultural backgrounds, you know, there's so many things that we can add into it that they wouldn't have in traditional schooling. And so I think that has been a lot of fun to create all of that also. Do they love it? They do. I think in the beginning it was a little difficult because we were away because it was football time. Mm -hmm. So we were, you know, in Boston and then we went to Dallas. And so they didn't have enough time because this was the first year that we transitioned half through this, halfway through the season. So they missed their friends. You know, creating those friendships, they're social butterflies. They're not shy. So I was like, oh, this is going to be difficult, you know, to find those activities. But now it's off season, you know, we're home base. So now they're, you know, flourishing. They have all their friends. But I think that was the only part that they were missing. But um, yeah, they've been doing really well. And that also is like, you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, okay, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do they travel with you guys? So when you're in football season, do you all go together? Yeah, so we all travel together. Um, we completed 11 and our oldest is 11 years and our oldest is 13. So she's been, you know, within the football lifestyle since she was a baby. You know, we take them to the games. But I think it's important for me to bring them to the games. And he loves when, like, he's, like, required. Like, they have to be at a game. It's raining, anything. You know, the kids have to be there. Yeah, and I think it's just supporting him. You can't be living off the fruit of the game and <laughs> don't want to be in the farm. You want to eat the fruit, but you don't want to farm? Like, you got to be out there. I'm out there raining. Y'all getting out. Uh, we all going to the game. Mm-hmm. But you love when they're after the game, they run to him and I, I they're think it's so important proud of that, him. that they see like a lot of times when 
parents, a lot of times, like, your parents did something great or they do something, you didn't get to live in that time period while they were doing it. And I think it's important that they can see what we were doing, how we were doing it, because they were a part of it. So I think it shapes their identity, it shapes them, their self-awareness earlier because it's like, okay, I see my dad do this, so I'm not, I understand what happens in football. I see my mom do this. So I just think it's important that they can be a part of it in their life so they don't have to hear people tell stories. Remember your dad did that? You're like, nah, I remember I was there. I was I was sitting in the, with uh, Cliff's son and then we came down. Like, I want them to have those memories too. I don't want to be talking about something and they don't have no uh, recollection of it. Oh, yeah. I bet it like gives you like a little pep in your step too, just knowing they're there like, watching you, cheering you on. I don't think there's anything better than my kids being like, Mom, you're great. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, I feel like a person's true judgment is not the how the world views them because the world views can be shaped by media. They could be shaped by, influenced by TV. They could be influenced by radio. I think a person's true value in life is how their family feels about them because it says a lot about somebody when they were able to really connect to their... It's easy to connect to people who don't know you behind the doors. But it's, I feel like it's better when you can connect with your family behind the doors because they see everything about you and they know who you truly are. So they know that you live in your true self. And I think it's important that your kids have that. Without that, I feel like the best judgment is when your parent, when your kids come and they say, Mom, I love you. Or when I can walk my daughter down the aisle because she wants to marry a man just like her father. Like, that's important because there's a lot of times, there's a lot of times people don't want their parents to, or their kids, their Kids don't want to be a part of their parents' life because their parents are so shitty. But then you go to the funerals, all these other people are like, oh, he used to come give us this, he did that. And then the child was like, I never experienced that. I never had that from my dad. You know, so I want to make sure that my kids have those experiences. What is your best piece of parenting advice? I mean, we have younger children. What is your best piece of parenting advice, maybe from newborn to where you're at now? We haven't had a newborn in so long. <laughs> How did you make it through that? That's a good question. No, yeah, I just think that um, I feel like when you have a baby and then you back it, not back door, but then you have another baby, it's like you're starting all over. So I'm just reflecting on like when the kids were newborns, you know, like that experience that we had. But um, I think like advice and what I would give, I think communication. And I say that now because our kids are older, you know, maybe before another one is like just time you know like give them your time give them your attention and sometimes it's like you're a listener you know or you're Mm -hmm. just there to aid sometimes you don't always have to put your opinion so strong I really want to see how they're because they are shaping themselves as well as we're shaping them so I really want to nurture that part of it to see how they blossom I don't want to only just you know tell them you have to do this and you can't do that you know I want to see like well what do you know because I feel like kids are so smart they know so much and I I love when someone's like I didn't know my kid could do this or I didn't know they had this conversation and I'm like yes because we need to nurture that we can't always just say like no or don't talk to me right now or I'll, I'll do it later it's like showing up and just giving that time and attention to really just nurture whatever it is that they're going through or wanting to talk about I don't know I love that my girls are older now though and we're having these conversations because I'm like wow I'm learning a lot from them I think that's one of the best things about being a parent is when you learn something from your child and you just kind of give them permission like you said just to be who they are because they do they blossom I think that's really I think that's really great advice my advice is patience again all relationships need a certain amount of patience and I think kids number one because kids test patience they do <laughs> Oh, yeah. They f***ing do. Daily. They just, they just do it daily. <laughs> they do shit. They know how to get at you. They know. But having the patience to understand that they are kids. And and now, because sometimes I see people who have a five-year-old kid and they look, talk to them like they're 20. It's like, 
They're five. Like, they're going to spill shit. They're going to do this. They're going to... It's expectations. It's just when they get to 13 and 14, you're like, look, I'm not... You, you should be cleaning your room. You should, I shouldn't have to tell you that. But within their time frames of their age, you should allow them to make mistakes because that's important and not to just talk to them so much, you know, so bad that they don't... They fear making mistakes for the rest of their life. What makes you both individually light up as a person? What makes you the happiest? I think, to be honest, is with my family. Me too. I was going to say family. I, f- I say f- family. No, it's kind of funny because I feel like people be like, oh, okay, you know, like it's so mushy, like whatever. But no, it really is. Like I love being with my family. I love being with my husband. I mean, I could probably have a little, you know, more time with him than with the kids sometimes, but I still want to be with you know, like, I don't have to, I know, like, you know, you hear people like, I, just, I need to get away from my husband. I don't ever feel like that. You know, like, I'll joke about it, but I don't ever feel like that. Now, the kids, on the other hand, sometimes I need a little <laughs> me time. You know, I need to get my nails done and go to, you know, go to get a coffee and blast whatever music I want in the car. As simple as that is a little me time. Um, but I would say, what, yeah, that would be my, just being around them and being with my children and, and just making those memories and for, you know, building our bond closer on whatever it is that we're doing. You know, it could be painting, it could be traveling, it could be sitting on the couch watching a movie, but just having that presence of them, it really lights me up. I think so. I think family too, because I think as the older you get and you realize the concept of death, like it kind of like, you know that you're going to die, right? And it's just like days that you spend away from your family is like less opportunities that the memories that you're going to have together that you can, they won't be able to share. So I feel like family is important to me for that, that aspect. It's like, this is the people like, like, I feel like the family you're born into, you born, God chooses, or if you don't believe in God, but I believe in God, so I'm going to use God. If you get mad about <laughs> use God, don't tweet me or anything. But I'm saying if you use God um, and you get you get chosen to this family, and this family is the family that is your blood, and that's what you have. But then you go out into the world, you choose another person, and you decide that this person is a person that you want to create that same thing that you grew up in. And I think that's in, that's why it's so important because you chose that family. You, you, you chose to have kids, and these kids are your kids. So I feel like every day that you spend with them is less time that you have with them. And I think, like, my daughter's 13, and I'm like, damn, like, five years. Oh, my God. Like, she's going to be gone. Like, that's all. Like, once she but leaves. But Michael will be down the street. <laughs> well, once she leaves, like, once she leaves, it's kind of like she's going into her own world. And, like, it'll be less. I won't say I won't be as less as, I won't be, it's not as important to her, but I'll be less important to her everyday decisions. Mm-hmm. And I'll be, she will meet somebody else, and they're going to create that whole thing. And I will have to play a part in that. But at the same time, I feel like I want to be a part of that. So when she do make those decisions, that it's just, I don't know. I just feel like time and feeling with your family is the most important thing. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a great note to wrap up on. Um, I want everyone to know your podcast, Mouthpiece, where can it be found? Apple, Stitcher. Spotify. In the Bible by Proverbs. (laughs) GQ Magazine. It could be found on anything that you could listen to. So... If you guys have time, podcast platforms. tune in. If you're at work, you're bored as f***, your boss getting on your nerves, and you're like, damn, I need some, need somebody to pick me up. Well, just listen to our podcast. We'll be listening. And, and yours, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take you away from yours. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so thank much. You. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> So I actually really enjoyed Michael and Pele Bennett. I know that they said that their podcast is really about being your authentic self and being here with them. I really got a sense of that, that they're, like he said, like they're not afraid to use their voices. And I feel like that's such a powerful thing to say because I really struggle with that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like finding my own voice and feeling like it matters. And 
Um, it was just really cool to see somebody sit here and just feel like so in that presence of themselves, like comfortable, comfortable and who they are. And I love how he doesn't give an F about what other people think. I feel like we need to be more like that. You know, we talk about mom shaming a lot, but I think we should care less about what people think. And I think that's a great thing to model for your children. Like, I don't want my children to feel that consumed about what other people think about them. Yeah. You know, I also liked that they homeschool their kids. That's really fascinating to me. As a young child, I used to think that homeschool kids were weird. But as a parent, <laughs> I actually really love the idea of homeschooling. I I think that there's such a different way to teach your children than traditional school. And I'm not saying that's what I would choose for my kids once they're school age. But I like that there is that option. And I like that it lets you, like she was saying, like Pele was saying is, it lets you give them more of an education and other things that they may not necessarily get in a mm-hmm. traditional school. Totally. My friend Heather, who was, you know her, she was in my wedding, but she homeschools for three kids. And oh, really? I mean, I don't know how she does it. That's a lot. I don't think, one, I don't think I'm smart enough to do that. I'm not trying to say I'm not smart. I'm smart. But like, I don't remember any of that. Oh my gosh, that would be really stressful for me. But it's amazing that people do. So to you people who homeschool, you guys are awesome. And I applaud you because there's no way I could possibly do that. Have we had a mom who homeschools come on and, ex- and expand about that on the podcast I yet? I think so. We should do that. We definitely should. Well, this is a very exciting podcast. It was, it was nice to see into the world of two parents. Gosh, she's so successful, and now they work together, and God, and they're making it work, and they've been together forever. It's amazing. It's admirable, that's for sure. Especially, marriage is hard work. Marriage is hard, you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, rate, and review. And yeah, we love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.